Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. And I would like to thank all of those of you who've tuned in to the questions from the public session on Wednesday. A lot of people have told me how useful they found it to hear directly from our Director of Public Health and the Chief Executive of the Department of Health and Social Care. And I have to admit, I never knew sewage could be so interesting. Now, thank you to all those who submitted questions, and of course, thank you to James Davies from Isle of Man Advertising, who gave up his time to facilitate the session. We are back to our more regular format today, with our Director of Public Health joining us on Zoom, and the Minister for Health and Social Care here in person. I would like to take you through the discussions that took place in the Council of Ministers yesterday. Before I do so, I would like to invite the Minister for Health and Social Care to update us on the testing numbers. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken stands at 27,713. The total number of tests concluded is 27,699, meaning that there are 14 results awaited. In the last 24 hours, there have been two new cases identified. Both are travellers identified via our day one testing, and both were already in isolation. So the total number of confirmed cases now stands at 434. We have a total number of active cases of 29, with none of those active cases in hospital. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. That's great news. And while, of course, any new cases on the island are disappointing... It's not surprising, given the situation across in the United Kingdom and beyond. It is reassuring that those people are already in self-isolation because of travel, and I wish them a speedy recovery. Now, I know you have a number of other updates for us, but we will come back to you in a minute or two. Today is the 17th day where we have seen no unexplained community cases. This is a remarkable achievement and a cause for real optimism. I'm particularly pleased that the number of active cases is now down to a much lower level, as is the number of people who are in self-isolation because they have been close contacts of our previous cases. It is clear that we are heading in the right direction. Once again, I need to extend my thanks for the remarkable work by our colleagues in public health, contact tracing and on the 111 line who have identified and isolated the virus in our community. And crucially, I must thank the great Manx public for making the right decisions, even though at times I know it was tough. Let me invite our Director of Public Health to give her expert view on what the data is telling us. Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, just to underline what you've already said, which is that the really good news is that we haven't seen a case of community transmission since 17 days ago. So that is very reassuring. We know from the contact tracing and testing data that all the identified lines of transmission are now contained. So we do not expect at this stage to see any further transmission from those known cases or clusters. And the fact that we haven't seen any sporadic cases appearing also very much assures us that we've managed to contain all of those lines of transmission. Obviously, again, as the Chief Minister said, so long as we have people coming across the border, we will pick up travel-related cases and they will be picked up by our testing arrangements in those people who opt for testing. 
Testing of itself doesn't control onward spread. It's behaviour that does that. And that's why we really have to rely on everybody who is asked to self-isolate for whatever reason to observe the guidance in their direction notice absolutely to the letter. And in terms of our border, it is true to say that we are only as COVID safe on island as the behaviour of the last person across the border. So I really do have to stress that, that we all need, if we are ever in the position of being a returning traveller, we very much need to observe right to the letter, the direction notice. Don't be tempted to vary from it because you think you can rationalise a reason why what you want to do is OK. It isn't. And that way lies community spread. So I really do want to stress that point. But behaviour is generally very, very good. That is how we've got to where we are now from um, the community transmission. And we just have to keep going until we get to the point where we have the levels of vaccination and the evidence from vaccination to know what impact that has on transmission. And then we'll know much more clearly the extent to which we can get back to a life that is more completely as normal later in the year. Thank you, Chief Minister. And thank you, Dr Ewart. We do appear to be turning the page of a new chapter. So, on to the Council of Ministers meeting. We discussed a range of COVID-related related issues yesterday. We heard from Dr Ewart and other senior colleagues who have been leading our response. In our discussion on active cases and measures, we considered the latest data and the view on what this meant for our island. As you can imagine, we were extremely encouraged by what we saw and heard. I'm pleased to be able to tell you that we will be lifting all measures from one minute past midnight on Monday the 1st of February. As long as nothing happens between now and then, that causes us undue concern. The circuit break lockdown will be over. People have been asking what this means. What will we be able to do from Monday? What won't we be able to do? The simple answer is that things will look and feel just like they did before our circuit break. We will be back to the enviable position that we enjoyed for so long last year. And this time there is an important difference. There is a vaccine programme coming up fast to protect us. Let me start by addressing some of the questions that I know are on people's minds. If all goes well on Monday, we will once again be stepping out of your lives, as we did on the 15th of June last year. From Monday, all businesses will be able to reopen. I know that some may not be quite ready to do so, and I know that some offices-based businesses are considering a phased return. And that is perfectly okay. I know some other businesses may need some time to prepare. I understand, but we are ready for them to open when they are ready. From Monday, our schools will be open to all pupils again. As the Education Minister told us on Monday, we want all pupils to feel confident about returning to school. But if you do have any concerns, please discuss these with your head teacher. And on this point, I would like to thank our teachers and all our school staff for the excellent job they have been doing supporting our young people over the circuit break. And of course, I also need to thank parents for their patience and resilience. From Monday, we will no longer be asking you to stay at home. You can go out, see friends, visit loved ones. From Monday, we will no longer require face coverings on buses and in taxis, for example. 
social distance and face coverings will be a matter of personal choice. And, as I mentioned last week, we will be returning to our borders to their pre-circuit break locked state. Please remember that people's experience of lockdown will be different and how people react to the end of the lockdown will be different. Some of our people will be dealing with high levels of anxiety as we open our society and our economy again. Some people may choose to continue to wear a face covering. This is a matter for them and I would ask everyone to respect that choice. And if, as you go about your business, you notice that people want to keep their distance, please respect that too. Not everyone it will be ready for a hug on Monday. But as you've heard, we do not believe there is currently any evidence of any community transmission. So for those who are looking forward to catching up with loved ones and resuming normal life, we are as confident as we can be that it is safe to do so. Some businesses may decide to maintain social distancing or require face coverings. Again, it will be for those businesses to make decisions based on their needs and those of their staff or customers, but government will no longer require this. The one place that may not look and feel quite the same as before is the hospital and other health and social care sites. They are more complex and it makes sense to treat them a little differently. I will ask the Minister to take us through what this will mean. I know he also has some other updates to share with us, including on health services, shielding and, of course, the vaccination programme. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. As we move forward with removing restrictions on Monday, there are several points I would like to touch on from the health and social care perspective. Firstly, turning to shielding. Can I thank all those who have shielded throughout this circuit break lockdown? We realise how hard it has been to once again have to isolate away from your support networks and family and effectively isolate yourselves once again. I can confirm that if, as planned, restrictions are lifted on Monday, then those who are shielding can come, it can come to an end and those currently shielding can safely return to going about their lives as normal. We realise for many of those shielding that they may not feel comfortable um, doing so, but that is entirely a choice for those individuals. Shielding will be removed from Monday. Turning now to the health and social care services themselves, assuming all restrictions are lifted, health and social care services will be starting to return to normal. What this means from Monday is if restrictions are lifted, that PPE requirements will revert to as they were prior to the circuit break and lockdown. Visitation will return to all department-run services as was in place before the circuit break lockdown. Staff who have been shielding and volunteers will be able to return to work. Social care and mental health day services will return, as will the transportation network that supports those services. Social distancing measures will be relaxed and the cafe, shops, canteen and ward trolley service will return to normal. GP services will continue to operate a hybrid model of a mix of face-to-face -face and non-face-to-face appointments based on the clinical assessment of the patient as was in place prior to the circuit breaker lockdown. In terms of the emergency department, people will continue to see security in place to help guide people for a further week. And patients for the time being will still be asked to only have one person with them wherever this is possible. 
One I know that people will be very keen to hear about is maternity services. I know the changes we had to bring in have been extremely difficult for expectant mothers who are having a stressful enough time without having to cope with those added infection control and safety measures as well. I can confirm that again subject to restrictions being lifted on Monday, the maternity services will also return to their normal state as prior to the circuit breaker lockdown. Turning to elective surgery, we have begun the turn back on of elective surgery, but it does need to be emphasised that this needs to be done in a more staggered way than other services. The hospital is still seeing the pressures of winter admissions and so it is important that we keep the bed availability under constant review. But we will now start to, in a managed way, recommence with elective surgery across all specialities. And I would now like to turn to vaccines. Yesterday saw the opening of the Ronalds Way hub and the administering of 410 vaccines to those in their, the over 80s category. As with any new venture, it was not without teething difficulties. We did see a substantial number of people arriving early for their appointments, in many cases an hour or more earlier. Also, we had a number of people turning up yesterday who didn't have an appointment, but just wanted to test the process ready for when their appointment came. Can I ask where possible people arrive about 10 to 15 minutes prior to their appointment? It is recognised that isn't possible for everyone with the timings of public transport or the wish to share transport, but I can assure people there is no need to turn up an hour or so before your appointment or be concerned about being late. No one is going to be turned away for being a little bit late for their appointment. If you are booked in for that day, you will be vaccinated, even if you are late for your appointment. To put this into context, we are vaccinating on average 10 people every 10 minutes. So for every 10 minute slot, there are potentially 10 people to go through, which if large people, numbers of people turn up early, will lead to queues and delays. So we do ask where possible that those using their own transport only aim to arrive 10 to 15 minutes prior to their appointment slot. The 111 line has also been receiving a large number of clinical queries from people in relation to the vaccination. I need to stress that 111 in relation to the vaccine is responsible only for the booking of appointments. They can't assist with clinical or individual medical queries relating to the vaccine. There is a large amount of information online and a list of frequently asked questions covering most of what people want to know, which can be found at gov.im forward slash COVID vaccination. Should you have a clinical query or a query directly related to your own medical situation, this needs to be discussed with your GP. 111 will not be able to assist with this. I'd also like to re-emphasise the process when it becomes people's turn for vaccination. You will receive an invitation letter asking you to call 111 to register for your vaccination appointment. When you contact 111, you will either be booked there or then, or the 111 service will call you back with an appointment slot. An email or letter will then be sent to confirm your appointment, which you then bring with you to your vaccination appointment. Sticking with the vaccination theme, the vaccination dashboard went live on Wednesday. This gives the public a chance to be provided with a near real-time data on the vaccination programme and provides a dashboard of information that people can play around with 
to find the information that they require. And this can be found at covid19.gov.im forward slash vac stats. Thank you, Chief Minister. And thank you very much, David, for those updates. And I do hope people have had the chance to take a look at the dashboard for the vaccination programme. It is regularly updated and gives you information you need to see how the programme is developing. It also shows how complex the programme is. But the dashboard is really easy to use. Anyone can go on and be a vaccination data expert. Now, we're only four weeks into the programme, but there are some highlights already emerging for me especially relating to the most vulnerable members of our community. In our first priority group, so residents in a care home and their carers, almost 75% have now received at least one dose. In our second priority group, the over 80s and frontline health and social care staff, for at least one dose, we have almost hit the 50% mark. So yes, there is still some way to go, but we are making great progress and the pace is picking up. So, plenty of good news today. All things being equal, we should be free of measures on Monday and be able to return to near normality on our island. We have asked a lot of you over the last month and you have been amazing. But I need to ask you for more. You have heard that the risk that there is any virus left in our community is exceptionally low. Let's keep our wits about us as we go forward. Let's go back to the basics. Let's keep washing our hands, and if you have any concerns about symptoms that may or may not be COVID, let's not take any risks. Stay at home and call 111. I know you've heard this a hundred times from me, but it is no less important now. Although we are so fortunate here, there is still a pandemic going on all around us. And that is why we have the measures in place with three tests and quarantine for those who travel to the island. These measures are the best defence we have, as long as people respect the self-isolation rules to the letter. Self-isolation means what it says, no contact at all with anyone else. For our part, we will of course be keeping the 111 service up and running. The contact tracing team will be on standby should we need them. Let's hope we don't. Let's go to questions from the media. And first we have is Helen McKenna from Isle of Man Newspapers. Good afternoon, Helen. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Ministers. My first question is about the prom works. Assuming that they will be starting again on Monday, can I just ask what happened to the contractors from the UK who were on the island when the island went into lockdown? Well, I think because there was a short period of time that we were having the lockdown, that some chose to stay and that, and that was fine. Some chose to, to go back and we will need to get them back on the island and they will have to follow the, the rules and regulations and obviously work starts on the promenade. Obviously, this will, of course, a, a further delay to the promenade as all building projects have been affected, but I'm sure the team will do their utmost to speed it along. Okay, thanks. And my second question is about uh, basically Germany's uh, vaccine commission has been saying the AstraZeneca vaccine should not be given to people over seven, uh, sorry, 65. So what's the Isle of Man government's um, reaction to this and has the government looked at the, looked at the data? 
Right, well, I think I'll let David and then maybe Dr Ewart might want to finish off on that. Yeah, I'll bring the Director of Public Health in in a moment. We do look at data from around the world, Helen. At the moment, the advice is it is absolutely fine um, for it to be administered in the over-65s. Um, the, the, the evidence that this is being based on with the German health authorities is being widely disputed um, by AstraZeneca itself, um, but also others within the scientific community. And on that note, I'll bring in the Director of Public Health. Uh, thank you. Yes, um, I absolutely agree with what you've just said. The published trial results from the AstraZeneca do show efficacy in those over 65. And that is certainly supported by the JCBI, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation and the MHRA, who approved the emergency authorization. I understand because it's just come through on breaking news that the EU um, European Medicines Agency has also approved the AstraZeneca vaccine for use without any restriction in the older age groups. So I think maybe this is something that Germany had picked up on, but it was certainly far from consensus. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much, Helen. Now we move on to Alex Bell from BBC Isle of Man. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Good afternoon. Just looking at the uh, vaccination figures which were published yesterday afternoon, it appears that just one second dose of vaccine was administered. I'm just wondering, can you break that down? How are the vaccines allocated so that a single second dose is given out in one day? Yeah, in relation to that, Alex, let's not forget when the trays are defrosted, be it the Pfizer vaccine, you have five days to be able to use the doses. So it's not a case of you use that entire dosage within um, within um, one day. Equally with the um, the Oxford AstraZeneca virus, that breaks down even further and you can use single vials. Thank you. And just as a second question, um, obviously there's been a, a great number of tests. I think it's around 27,000 tests that you mentioned carried out now. Do we have an, a number, a firm number on the cost of a PCR test to the taxpayer? Well, it, depend, it depends what you mean by a cost. If you mean the cost of actually just carrying out the test, but if you include on costs, then the figure goes up. So the figure is generally around about the £100 level, um, which we've we're certainly from our resource in DHSC, we work it out at roughly around about £100 um, to carry out a test. But of course, that is a ballpark figure because there are a lot of hidden costs in terms of um, use of staff time in microbiology. And so it's very much in a proportion rough figure but certainly from a DHS point of view it's around about £100 from start of process to end of process. So is it possible then to get a, a cost for the overall amount of tests carried out since the beginning of the pandemic? No, it would be a very, very rough figure, Alex, you would, because you, you would have to be calculating in not just the use of supplies, which would be an easy figure to calculate, but you've got to factor in staff staffing time, um, the use of the microbiology labs, the obviously the setup um, that's been created at the grandstand. Um, I, while it would be a very interesting figure to have, I think you'd actually waste more resource pulling that figure together and trying to work it out than what it's actually worth to the public. Thank you very much, Alex. Now we move on to Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Uh, fast am I, Chief Minister. The, uh, our first question is actually comes from your Twitter account, which people have asked me about, is um, businesses wanting to prepare to reopen for Monday. Are staff allowed to go in this weekend to prepare for that? 
The, an the answer is yes, obviously, we ask them to follow the social distancing, but we understand that businesses will need to go in and prepare their businesses. So, yes, they can go in, but please respect social distancing, keep on wearing their face masks, etc. I don't know, David, if you want to expand on that. Yeah, from a, from a point of view of the restrictions, the restrictions are in place till Monday, but businesses do need to prepare. Um, there's a lot of businesses that will need to prepare for Monday and reopening as normal, so the staff are allowed to enter the premises in order to prepare. They can't open as a business, so they can't be serving anyone, but staff can certainly go in to prepare as long as social distancing and precautions are taken, such as the use of, mas of masks where appropriate. Thank you. And secondly is, um, probably mostly for Mr Ashford and Dr Hewitt, uh, what do we know about these, the new vaccines that have been, results have come out for today, and in terms of how that could affect the island's vaccination programme going months forward, obviously we're not expecting them here in the next few weeks, but it'll be certainly something people will be interested in. Yeah, I'll bring Dr Hewitt in in a moment. Um, in relation to the um, Novavax, um, the Novavax jab, um, the UK has secured 60 million doses, I believe, of the jab. They're not expected until the second half of this year, though. Um, so we do have to put that as a caveat. But again, the supply arrangement would be the same. We'd receive 0.13% of the UK's order. I haven't been quick enough since the news broke to actually do the maths and try and work out what that is. Um, but, but basically, we would be entitled on the same basis to access. Um, or it looks from the face of it, um, with the with it being 89.3% effective in the UK trials to uh, to be very positive. But, you know, me, Sam, I'm very cautious by nature. I always like to wait until there's a bit more evidence out there. But it's certainly looking, um, it's certainly looking positive. And then as for the, as for the other jab um, that's um, come forward as well, uh, that's obviously looking a bit, um, that's looking a bit lower. But again, they, this, that was done as a single dose, I believe. So we'll wait to see. Um, they are doing still, I believe, trials around what happens if you get two doses of that. So we'll wait to see what the results are. I'll bring the Director of Public Health in. Thank you. Yes, the Minister's given a very good summary there. Just to note that both of these, the Novavax and the Janssen, which is the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine, these are their published trial results. So these now have to go through the regulator, in our case, the MHRA, for actually emergency authorisation. And then as with the vaccines we already have, as, as we know, there is a process whereby the protocols, liability arrangements, etc., are signed off. And then, of course, the supply chain. Um, and at the end of all that, it should start coming over as part of our overall supply chain and can be factored into our programme. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for that, Sam. Okay, we now move on to Leanne Cook from 3FM. Good afternoon, Leanne. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. My first question is just a question we've had from a number of residents. They're just looking for a bit of clarity on where the island currently stands in regards to applications on compassionate grounds. Okay, well, we announced at a, at a previous briefing that compassionate grounds would be considered again from the 26th mm -hmm. of January. So we are allowing compassionate grounds, but obviously um, that has to be assessed by our, our team. I don't know, David, if you need, to, if there's anything you need to add to that. Yeah, so in terms of compassionate, um, it's just to state that it, it has to be something that is vital for entry to the island. So people who, for instance, are attending to a seriously sick relative um, for, for the attendance at funerals, etc. Those are the sort of grounds that people would be looking for um, when an application comes forward. 
And my second question is for you, Health Minister. I'm wondering if you have a date for when you expect all residents of care homes to be vaccinated. So it depends what you mean by vaccinated, because obviously there's two different interlocking terms. There's the first dose, and then there's the full vaccination by them having been completed with their second dose. The first doses will be expected to have been delivered to everyone, including those that don't have capacity that are eligible for the vaccine, and it's agreed they will by mid-February. Um, in terms of those with capacity, the vast majority of those have now been completed. There are still some outstanding, and then for everyone who is approved for the vaccine, they will receive their second dose by around about, by basically mid-March, end of March, to be fully okay. vaccinated. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leanne. We now move on to Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Fast am I. Good afternoon. Um, my first question, really, I suppose, is for you, Chief Minister. Um, obviously, everybody's looking forward to returning to near normal, if you exclude the matter of the closed borders from Monday. But was the decision to lift all restrictions unanimous in Comin, or were there any dissenting voices? No, we've always been, we've always respected the evidence. We've said this was a short-term circuit break. I'm delighted that we've been able to, um, you know, stick to that. And all of Council of Ministers was delighted that the data has enabled us to move forward. I don't go into, you know, votes in the Council of Ministers, um, Simon. It, it is confidential, our meetings. But, yeah, everyone was happy. And um, it, the data it clearly shows that we're in as good a position as, as we can be. And as I say, that's great credit to the people of the Isle of Man for working so hard, working with government to enable us to get into this um, excellent position. Thank you. And secondly, for Dr. Hewitt, if I may, um, the issue of mental health has been very much to the fore in this second uh, lockdown. Are you aware of any significant increase in demand for both state and maybe mental health charity services this time around? We haven't seen any hard data to that effect. And in fact, what we do see is very much a mix. There are some suggestions that some issues may be worse, others may be better. So it's impossible to say categorically that yes, mental health has worsened because we don't have data to support that. And in some aspects, there may be things that have improved somewhat, but we don't have the data really to give a full overview of that yet. We may do, may have a better way of looking back on it in the future as the data accrues. But at the moment, we do not have, and we have been trying to, to monitor things to see if there is, you know, an increase in signal, if you like, that says something really bad is going on here and it appears to be driven by lockdown. We don't have those signals, which is good. Um, obviously, we can't say that it doesn't have any effect on mental health, emotional well-being, uh, but nothing that is creating a really strong signal of concern, I think it would be fair to say. Thank you. Thank you very much, Simon. And now we move on to Alex Wotton from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. <laughs> Good afternoon. Um, we've had a number of people report that the second dose of the vaccine can have a bigger impact than the first, feelings of fatigue and other flu-like symptoms. Is there any advice you have for people going for their second vaccine in ways that they could prepare both mentally and physically? 
Okay, David, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I'll bring yeah I'll bring it in and uh, I'll start and then bring the director of public health in, if I may. Um, these side effects are well known; they are not unusual in any way, shape, or form. It happens with other vaccinations as well. After the flu vaccination, people can sometimes have very similar symptoms where they develop flu-like symptoms. The evidence is these symptoms tend to last for 24 hours, and it is the body basically building up um, the antibodies in the and, and actually taking the extra dose on board so it's not anything for people to be concerned about it is perfectly normal and in most cases those symptoms will pass after 24 hours but i'll bring the director of public health in thank you uh, minister's given a very clear overview there so all i would add to that really is the information that people are given when they have their vaccine includes um, advice on what you can do in terms of home remedies to ameliorate any of those symptoms should you experience them but they are very well documented and to be expected in a proportion of people so People should be aware of that and follow the guidance in the leaflets they'll be given to use simple remedies to get through that period. Thank you. Uh, my second question is for the Chief Minister, really. Uh, we've seen a number of rate rises announced today, uh, mainly Douglas, but Ramsey and Port St Mary this afternoon. The Lib Van parties told us they'd expect government would make sure all local authorities were able to hold the rates at the current level for the next financial year, saying now is not the time to impose increased financial burdens on people in the middle of a pandemic. Consequently, many people on social media have said this is hitting the working classes when they're down. Now, I know this isn't, uh, Treasury isn't here today, but as head of our government, can you give us a reaction to that? Well, we have to look after everyone, obviously, and, and yes, an increase in rates is most uh, most unwelcome. Um, I know I'm lucky that living in the parish of Moran, they've, they've announced no increases in, in their rates. So it, it can be done with local authorities. Um, obviously, we'll have to monitor the situation. You do need to look after the vulnerable in our society, those who are struggling. But equally, the taxpayer, at the end of the day, we're using government's money, has probably shelled out £200 million and rising to support um, COVID and, and, and the costs and, and helping businesses to, to move forward and to expect us to fund everything go, going forward, I think would be unreasonable and would have the potential if we were to say, right, we're going to fund every increase that everyone experiences to, to bankrupt society. So obviously Treasury will be monitoring and their social security arm increases um, to the public. I know I've been contacted from people regarding some of the items that they buy in their food basket, seeing a significant increase. It, it will be monitored and if Treasury feel that there is a need through their social um, security arm to um, increase support, then I'm sure that will be looked at. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. Now we move on to Paul Moulton from Isle of Man Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Good afternoon. You mentioned, Chief Minister, that you thought some businesses may not be ready to open on Monday. And I'm thinking of care homes, for instance, they would definitely private ones can do what they want. Have you got any more meat on the bones on what sort of businesses have thought they don't want to yet open? Well, I was mainly talking about private sector businesses. They may well choose to 
they've got their teams working from home, a, a large number, and they may decide that they're not going to bring everyone back on Monday, that they will do it in a phased way. And what we're saying is that's your choice. You know, we're saying that from Monday you can open up as normal, well, as normal, or the Manx normal, as I call it, but we're not going to force you. That's your choice. So really, it's just a recognition that for everyone, it w they won't be able to open up 100% straight away. They can do it in a phased approach, and it's just a recognition of that. And all government workers, will you all be going back to work? Yeah, I, I would hope that all government, well, the vast majority will be back on Monday. Obviously, there may well be a, a staggered approach too. We, we employ several thousand people across government. And if there's a need by the chief secretary and his team to maybe take a few days longer to open up, um, certain areas, then that's that's an area that I you know I really don't get involved in. That's their operational side of things, and that's for them to choose as as private businesses. What's the best way forward? And secondly, um, for a lot of people, it's going to be a little bit more cautious. I think this time opening up. I think there's a certain nervousness about uh, going back to just completely hugging and shaking hands, that sort of thing. And the side effect of this, of course, is. If you don't shake hands, you don't have too much contact with people, our rates of flu and colds will also decrease, which is probably a good thing, isn't it? It, it could well be. I, I think it's been noticeable there has been, unless the, I'll ask Dr. Ute to come in on this, probably say the opposite, but I, I have been led to believe that we have seen a reduction in the number yes. of um, winter flu, shall we say, and the increased hand hygiene that we're, we're seeing as a community has helped with part of that. But um, it, it may be something for everyone to take on board, but maybe Dr Hewitt and, and then David might like to comment on that further. Thank you. Yes, that's true. The um, rates of flu are certainly very, very much lower than we would usually expect. Um, we don't do a surveillance system for, for other respiratory illnesses. Flu does get measured um, in terms of hospital surveillance. Um, and yes, we seem to have very much lower rates than we would normally get. So I think that is a, a side effect of the way we've all modified our behaviour and in particular our improved hand and respiratory hygiene. So there's perhaps a lesson to take forward um, into the future with us there. And has that reflected in mortality, mortality rates, you know, less people dying? We haven't been able to do the final death analysis because we don't get the death records in real time. Obviously, we do keep mortality under review and we do an annual review of it, although we're a bit late on the current years because of pressure from COVID. But when those statistics do come through and they do get analysed, we will see that. David, do you have anything to add to Just that? a very quick one, because I think the Director of Public Health summed it up perfectly, but you did mention at the very start, Paul, that people may still be nervous um, come Monday, and I just want to emphasise again, it's okay for people to be nervous. Um, you know, it's perfectly natural, and you know, just because we're going back to normal doesn't mean that people have to do things that they're uncomfortable with. If people still want to keep their distance, if they still wish personally to continue to isolate, or they want to wear masks in public, that is perfectly all right. Um, it is natural that certain people will be nervous and we should respect their decisions. OK, thank you very much, Paul. And now, last but not least, Josh Stokes from ITV Granada. Good afternoon, Josh. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. My first question to Dr Hewitt. Dr Hewitt, we've seen what is happening with the likes of Guernsey, who are now on 142 active cases and are in their own lockdown. Just to get the full picture from a public health perspective, how likely is it that we could start to see spread in the community again under our current system? And how concerned are you that this could happen? 
It is a an ever-present risk. Um, as I've said, I've said it today, I think I've said it previously, we are only as COVID safe on Ireland as the last person across the border. And we all have to take that message very much to heart, particularly if we're somebody contemplating travel or coming across for whatever reason. Uh, if it gets into the community, it can get seeded out there very quickly and before you know it, you've got a position like Guernsey. I've said before that there, but for the grace of God, we could have been with what happened here across Christmas and the New Year. Uh, we were lucky in that by the time those the individuals involved at the beginning of those clusters presented, we were still close enough to actually identify the lines of transmission back to specific travel-related events and map and close off those lines of transmission. If we hadn't been, uh, the, the fortunate position there was that people were presenting with symptoms. Now, if those initial people had been asymptomatic, they could have passed it on. And if those people were asymptomatic, they could have passed it on and on. And no one would have known until it had got a lot further out and then people were presenting as symptomatic. And once you've got to that position, you haven't got those clear lines that you can follow through and close down. And that's why things can then go very badly wrong because if we look at the R number, each individual on average will infect three more and then each of those will infect three more. You can see how quickly it can go from one to, you know, 142 or whatever they've got in Guernsey today. Um, and then it becomes, it, it's still containable by very vigorous contact tracing, testing and self-isolation, but it becomes a lot more difficult and it will take longer. So I think we really have to look at what's happening in Guernsey and indeed what happened in Jersey um, a month or two beforehand and say that is an ever-present risk for us. We can't relax. And that's why particularly our risk is coming across the border. So everybody who does come across the border really has to get the message that it is vital that they follow the directions that they're given in their direction notice and don't think that they can justify doing things a little bit different because it will be okay, won't it? Because it may not be. And if it isn't, then that's what results. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for that. My second question um, to the Chief Minister, please. Um, Chief Minister, think on a precautionary level again, if spread were to occur once again in the community, are you confident in the success of the circuit break lockdown we just went through? And would the island follow the same strategy if an outbreak were to happen again? Or is the response being reviewed in any way? Well, we're reviewing it all the time, Josh. Yes, we feel it has been a success. It's only been a success because the people of the Isle of Man, the Great Manx public, have worked with us. They've followed the rules. Our excellent contact tracing team have been able to go in and quickly isolate um, those people that were at, at high risk. But as Dr Hewitt has, has said, we're, we're living with it and we can't be complacent. There are maybe areas depending on the... I suppose it depends on the severity and the information. The first case, if, re, if you remember, around the sort of Boxing Day time of, of, of period when we, we had our first case, we weren't too worried about that. Well, we were not in, in the significant way of having to shut the whole island down. It was the second case where there was cases 
um, coming from everywhere at, at the time that we, we felt we had to shut down. So it really is on a case-by-case -case basis, and that's how the Council of Ministers will make its decision should there be another outbreak in the future. We could maybe be not so tough, and maybe next time if we have concerns, we might only say, right, all outside trades can continue to work through the process. It, it re really will be on a case-by-case basis, Josh. But of course, everyone, ourselves included, should learn from our experiences. You might notice we did things slightly differently to the first lockdown. We, we didn't implement some of the changes that we weren't quite as hard as, as we did the first time around because we're learning all the time. And yes, of course, we will take um, from our experiences and, and sh let's hope it doesn't happen again, but we have to prepare that it may and we will, you know, learn from what, what we've come through now. But I am delighted that all of us working together, we've managed to um, stick to the, give or take a couple of days, the, the three-week lockdown. The circuit break seems to have worked, and I know we are sharing our experiences with our good friends in Guernsey to um, give any information of what we've experienced to, to help them out, and I'm sure they'll do exactly the same to, to ourselves. Thank you. Thank you very much, Josh, and, and, and thank you all very much for your, for your questions. And thank you so much for joining us this evening. And thank you for making the right decisions for yourself, your family and your island. And you've protected our vaccination programme. Once again, the Great Manx public has done us proud. Let's leave it there for this evening. At the end of this briefing, you can see a 90-second walkthrough of the airport vaccination hub. Do take a look. So please keep doing what you've been doing for the last couple of days. If we have any reason to change direction, then we will, of course, let you know as soon as possible. But, all being well, Monday should be a welcome return to the old normal. Enjoy it. You have earned it. Don't forget to support our local businesses. They have had a tough time. And please be kind to each other. Thank you. <laughs>